Say one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. You're listening to Song and Story, conversations with songwriters about their songs. You can support this project on Patreon, and you can learn more at songandstorypodcast.com. One of my favorite bands that I've ever shared a bill with is The Collection. If you're unfamiliar with their music, think Sufjan Stevens meets Mumford & Sons, and then widen your concept of genre. I've played at a few different events with them in the last two years, and they are amazing live. A friend of mine once described them by saying, I've never seen a band play every show like it's their last. My guest this episode is the collection's frontman and founder, lead singer and songwriter, David Wimbish. About a year ago, I watched David perform a solo acoustic version of a brand new, unreleased song via Instagram Live. Even though I was listening on my crappy phone speakers, the song genuinely moved me. The chorus concluded with the line, I just can't get enough of this beautiful life. It's a simple sentiment, but as I listened, I just felt grateful for beauty and for life. And when the live stream ended, I immediately emailed David asking when the song would be available. And it is now. The collection actually just released it as a single on March 30th, so go get it. When I first conceived the concept for this podcast and started making my massive list of all the artists I've had the privilege of meeting and playing with over the years and all the songs I'd love to discuss with them, I knew that I wanted to talk with David about this song. Hi, I'm David Wimbish from The Collection, and this is Beautiful Life, the first single from our upcoming record, Entropy. You do not have to be good Even the best of us have been misunderstood So get up on your feet The sun is shining, repentance through the leaves Its rays will wash you clean I'm walking slowly, I'm taking my time All I could talk in is starting to Soil and 
watch the rain help you grow Is there a song that you would consider perfect that in a particular season of your life it is it is the the perfect song for you mm. hmm yes but now i'm trying to think it's funny because i usually i have like a list of the very few songs that i find to be that way um there's a song by josh ritter called um the temptation of adam are you kidding me? And I think that's probably, for me, up there is like a a perfectly written song. Probably. Okay. <laughs> one, I one hundred percent agree with you. <laughs> yeah. That is that is a phenomenal that is a phenomenal song. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of hardly any song ever written that I think is better that uses more beautiful imagery and clever imagery but still has yeah. some kind of like heartfelt and even like catastrophic sentiment to it and that captures a love story and love emotions while telling a story i just think that song is unbelievable but it also it also kind of ends with a punchline like it's yeah. funny yeah yeah like man i like this girl so much i'm tempted to just blow up the whole world and yeah. just stay down here in this bomb shelter with her yeah oh yeah. my gosh that's an excellent choice <laughs> totally uh, the the reason the reason i ask and and i think i was kind of asking maybe more on um an emotional level um this song is just for this season of my life where where i'm at right now it's perfect like it's it's the song that i need i kind of feel like if every day began and ended with this song they'd be even better days and i, I hope you take this as the highest compliment that that i could offer oh, whatever man. that's whatever that's worth wow wow that means a lot thank you thank you yeah that means a lot i mean especially like i'm kind of like waiting on the edge of the song where like not many people have heard it you know where and so 
there's always that anticipation of like, we're about to put out something new. Are people going to dig this at all or whatever, you know? And uh, especially for me, actually kind of the fact that it is so simple and, and some of, some of the collection stuff has been kind of marked by uh, at least like musical intricacy. And this is kind of right. the opposite. There's that apprehension of like, Oh, is this, you know, a diversion or um, does this fulfill what, I don't know what it is, you know, but my hope is always to write something honest and not be worrying at least so much about what other people are going to think. So anyway, all all I had to say that, thank you. That's a huge encouragement. Thank you. Yeah, man. What, uh, what was, what was the, the seed that the rest of this song sprung from? Was it a melody, a particular phrase, a guitar lick? Mm. Uh, it was the very first line that you do not have to be good, which, uh, came from reading the poem Wild Geese by Mary Oliver. And um, that's the start of her, of that poem as well, is you do not have to be good. Um, what, what, what does that line mean within the context of her poem? And, um, and did that, does it kind of share that meaning within the context of this song? Yeah, I mean, her poem is this beautiful, like, uh, you you don't have to, you don't have to make yourself suffer for your sins or for your wrongs um, because like the earth will carry you. So she says, you do not have to be good. You do not have to drag yourself across the desert on your belly. I don't know the exact words, but um, you know, for miles asking for forgiveness, it talks about just resting in basically the turning of the world. And um, I, I was in a spot um where, you know, this, this is coming, this song is coming from a new record called Entropy. Um, and the record is a lot of processing the, these huge changes that happen really within a month. I, you know, my wife and I split up and I lost my, um, my housing and my car got totaled and then I moved to a new city and lost most of my work. And it was just all this stuff kind of in the same month. And so I started you know, writing a lot of songs that were processing this kind of like the way that things feel like they move into chaos. And, um, uh, through that is kind of how this song came about because I was playing these songs for Morgan, my partner. And she was like, what about the songs that are, you know, that are joyful like you are. And I think, um, you know, sometimes it's so much easier to process really heavy stuff and not to, to, process of joyful moments i think a little bit and oh so, sure sure um so th- so this song i i was in a place where you know i think this happens after long relationships where for a long time you feel kind of justified um you know maybe you made some mistakes but you feel like kind of justified in what happened and then um i hit a point where i did suddenly realize um through some conversation that i you know, maybe played a bigger fault part in the faults than I expected. And, and, you know, my heart breaks thinking that maybe I hurt somebody else in, in certain places. And so, um, through that and through the conversation with Morgan, I had just gone home and I read this poem, Wild Geese, which I've read, I had read several times, but I just, uh, felt like I had to read it again. And I was just so struck by that line about you do not have to be good. Kind of like that, resting in the way that the earth uh naturally moves and the way that the earth naturally creates and lets things die and then lets new things be created from the things that have died like that process is a process that i can that i can rest in 
so th- so that's what stemmed the whole rest of the song really man so uh, what what came next i mean so upon upon rereading the poem in this new light and kind of understanding it in a new way in that moment did you kind of think you know i i I'm probably going to write a song about that because I've had that experiences, whether I've read an article about some injustice in the world or I read a poem or a prayer from somebody that kind of hit me the right way. Like just reading it, I've thought, I, th- I think I'm going to write a song about that. You know, not that I had any intention of forcing it. It just felt natural to me to do so. Did, did you have that experience when you reread the poem and kind of had this new understanding of it or did it all just kind of happen organically? Does that question even make sense? Yeah, yeah, it totally does. Because I think a lot, a lot of times the way that I write music is things like that. Like I'll have an experience or a moment and it'll, it'll stick with me somewhere in the back of my brain as something like, oh, this is something I want to talk about at some point. Right. Um, and then usually for me with songs, the melody, something about the melody usually comes first. Um, and then I, I usually spend a lot of time singing a lot of gibberish over the melody until the words start to feel like the right tones. Yeah. And then usually yeah. um, if they start feeling like the, the right tones to go with the music, then those words will start finding patterns that communicate the thing I wanted to say. So that's pretty typical. But with this song, honestly, it was one of those songs um, that just came together really quickly. I, just, I read that poem and I was sitting in my room and I picked up the guitar and that line came. And I think the chorus melody came pretty quickly. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, I had a song written. So um, I did rewrite the, the verse melodies. I had an original verse melody. Um, and so it was one of those songs that after playing it kind of over and over, I started to realize like, oh, this chorus sticks with me. This bridge sticks with me. This verse melody is a little bit weak. And so I reworked it a few times. But um yeah, most of it, most of the song came together, I think, in twenty or thirty minutes, just kind of based on that really? poem and that first line. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's awesome, a, man. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> that's not typical. I I but sure. But a few of my favorite songs that I've written have been like that. Like No Maps of the Past off our last record was the same way. I think it came twenty thirty minutes, kind of in a flash. After that, I mean, did you did you do a lot of tweaking? Um, really, it was just yeah. I think um, I maybe cut the bridge in half, and I. I changed the verse melody and the verse chords. Um, there's a line halfway through the second verse, this like, this whole world is your home. Yeah, And yeah. Um, that chord progression um, is is what originally the chord progression was through the whole verse, and I just ended up keeping it just in that second half of the verse. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it was like leaning on the four and the five a lot more. Um and I kind of realized I just wanted it to be on the one because the chorus, you know, leans on the four so much. Um, so, I, yeah, I didn't do a lot of tweaking other than that. I mean, it, the recording was a lot of tweaking. <laughs> um, yeah, but sure. The, but, the, yeah, the writing, I think, stayed pretty – yeah, it was one of those that didn't change a ton, I think. Sure. Well, man, that one tweak, I mean – the way you the way you sing it when it gets to that point it's it's like a a triumphant joyful punch to the gut oh man <laughs> cool cool that's it's awesome. just like it's it's so full of hope uh the the words in and of themselves 
but but the the way you just you yell it out like that you know it's almost like i can kind of tell that you're you're singing to yourself but it feels as the listener like you're singing to me this whole world is your home so reach out your branches let your roots back to the soil you have a a tendency to do this and i love it and i I don't know how to describe it but you know you use uh, lyrical formulations that are loosely related but that articulate different things in all of your music i really like your tendency to take those kind of related images and almost like build and expound upon them yeah i used to um for quite a few years i worked in in churches and did music in churches and had to play a lot of really boring church music (laughs) um right uh, a, a lot of which like is just like very repetitive and it's like, right. Here's a verse and here's a course. And eventually, um, one of the churches I, I worked at, I just started writing, trying to play mostly songs. I either I had written or songs that weren't Christian songs at all in that church. Um, and I think some of that tendency came from like playing those kind of songs where I was like, Oh my God, I can't keep singing the same verse lyrics every time. So I'm just yeah. going to like, take the similar concept and like make it almost say the opposite thing, the next verse or something like that. Um, <laughs> to, just to give it a little variety. So it's funny now, as I like think back on, on my music, it's like, gosh, I got so much of what I do from, uh, like growing up in church and learning church music somehow. <laughs> um, as far as the bridge is concerned, it, it feels like a different you. Mm uh that you're singing to is is are the verses and the choruses is is the you yourself you're kind of singing to yourself and then once you get to the bridge it's somebody else or uh yes yeah i would say um the you the yeah yeah i think that's that's definitely what it is so the um i i think i tend to do that a lot and i don't know i i heard an interview once with um connor oberst and uh i can't think of the guy's name but the singer from the national and um they were talking about this idea that like whether you use I or you or me or them, or even if you create a character, most of the time it doesn't really matter what it is because it all is like self-reflective. Oh, sure. <laughs> Which I think yeah. tends to be true for me. So sometimes I think I, I change up subject and I am talking about somebody else and, you know, but specifically in that, uh, in the bridge, the, the, the bridge, so the bridge actually originally was twice as long as it is now. And, um, the lyrics were all supposed to kind of be these like vignettes of things, just maybe like vignettes of memories or, or clips that felt tied in with this overall, overall scene. Um, this, uh, you look so amazing. Your hair drives me crazy. You know, that's, that's a thing about my current partner and um then yeah just thinking about this this trip to the beach and kind of that being my spiritual healing place i think a lot in my life um so so there's been so many times where pretty major things have seemed to like wreck my life and then i've ended up just going down to the beach my grandma uh, had a beach house in in myrtle beach which is not the coolest beach but um (laughs) we go down there and uh just get some space so um yeah the bridge is kind of those reflections so so the you is definitely different so the bridge is kind of where the particulars become uh i guess more a little more personal 
Yeah. Is that a good way to say it? Totally, totally. Because I think to some degree that this song became like a little more, um, like I, I tend to write songs that I think are very personal in particular. And this song became a little bit more like uh, plural <laughs> than some of my songs. And so um, I think the bridge was kind of a way to like bring it back and make it mine um, a little bit more. I mean, hopefully people can still get something out of it, you know, but um Oh, I Def, definitely more than like other parts of the song that that is like just my own personal memories and things. Yeah, the line the line you have here, uh, saved by amazing grace, or maybe my lack of faith. Uh, the seasons change, but they come back the same. Do you feel comfortable talking about that a, a little bit as it relates to your kind of where that came from? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I think the the amazing grace is like this um more uh kind of like particularly Christian evangelical Protestant um culture or, or idea behind a, a belief set that I you know that I held for a really long time um and then I think the lack of faith is kind of like where that flipped for me. Um, which, you know, lack of faith maybe being more of a um, descriptive tool than being actually a, um, an accurate. A, a truth, an accurate truth. Sure. Thing. But, sure, sure. But, 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 but trying to describe kind of the opposite where like I, you the know, ebb and flow. Exactly. Of the ups and downs of the journey. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so then this, yeah. this idea that the seasons change, but they come back, you know, where like, I can see whether it's in that example where like my faith changed and like even left for a bit. But now I would say the faith is, is back. It just wears a different skin. Um, um, or, you know, the same with like the song kind of being, also a way that was processing just the huge changes in my life where I felt like I had lost a lot of stuff, but like everything's just a season and, and the good things about season is like, you know, even though it might be winter now, it's going to be summer, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Sure. And so it, yeah, that, that kind of end, I guess is summing up both the spiritual journey and just in general being in this place of needing, feeling like you need to repent or feeling like you need, um, some kind of closure or whatever, like realizing that, that like wholeness um, and forgiveness and all that kind of stuff is, is on the way. And that it's like, that's a natural process of just being alive on this earth. I, I, I really love in the, in the chorus, uh, I'm walking slowly. I'm taking my time. Just that, that, that very simple way of look, I've tried everything. I, I had this experience kind of in, in the, with the pursuit of my wife. Like it, it took me, uh, gosh, written multiple songs about it. Uh, it took me about th- over three years to get her to acknowledge that she liked me. And, um, <laughs> and after, you know, after that it was uh, over another year before we kind of dated and eventually got engaged and married. But I'm convinced that what did it was when I said, you know what, I've tried everything and nothing is working. And so the only thing I have left to do is to just kind of be patient and, you know, accept uh, opportunities to be near her or around her and to talk with her as they come. 
um, but not I wasn't going to actively kind of seek out and pursue those opportunities. Mm. And and it was like it forced me to be patient in my pursuit of her. And I think that uh, the way you sing that in the chorus, it, it, it you're singing it as though it's you don't just happen to be walking slowly. You don't just happen to be taking your time. Like you're doing it on purpose. You're making the conscious decision to, to be patient. Is that, is that an accurate interpretation? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I tend, I tend to be, um, full speed ahead and I tend to be one of those people that like, I don't know. I feel like there's two different ways. Most people process like anxiety or things that come up. And one is there's people that like, they, try to hide from it so something comes up and they do everything else that they can think of doing before they get to that that thing they need to do and then the other kind of person is me who like can't sleep can't like like i can't do anything (laughs) until i fix the problem (laughs) ever you know so that you know those lines of that chorus are kind of that like okay i'm forcing myself to slow down like just just take it in like just rest in like the slow turn of the earth and the slow turn of the seasons and like quit trying to bring something here. That's not here right now. Quit trying to make things the way that you want them. And like, that's just not how it is right now. Just like right. be, be here, be present. Right. And, yeah. and shut up. Yeah. Yeah. Which, exactly, which, it, exactly. which is the next part of it. All, all our lack of talking is, is starting to rhyme. <laughs> I, 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 I get that, man. There, there are, there are moments in my days where, internally i just have to tell myself to to just shut up and be quiet and it's it's once you start to do that i love the way you phrase it uh that our lack of talking is starting to rhyme Mm. you know in the silence you find the words uh you find the rhythm you find that that's that's when you can be when, when you're not constantly trying to take the lead on something that's when you can kind of figure out totally totally yeah and there's even i mean i think like there's this, you know, kind of Buddhist concept that um, there's no there's no you and me or you or me, you know, that that we like all come from the same substance and like we all come from the same mind or even like the idea of the mind of God or, you know, even even Jesus when like asked about um, being God, you know, he replies, Oh, I am in the father as the father's in me. And I am in you as you are in me. And as it is the father, you know, he kind of like creates this thing, like, you know, of like seeing Jesus in everyone. And I think this, the same idea, like sometimes our words are the thing that completely divides us from all of creation, from all of each other. And that we get these ideas that like, we're separate from everything when really like we're not separate from everything and if we would just shut up and like rest in it if we would just shut up and slow down and rest in it we would like we would like see our part of like being in the whole rather than just being our own thing you know right right what what that what that brought to my mind was kind of like the the two uh sayings that that brought to my mind was god is love and god speaks to us in silence Mm. and if you if you take both of those in tandem, then what that means is just sh- shut up and, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and you'll understand love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I totally get the irony of like singing about shutting up with like a huge amount of voices loudly at the same time, but. <laughs> oh yeah. 
it is what it is. <laughs> well, I so I kind of have. Um, oh man, this was funny. The very first kind of studio album that I put out. Uh, the first sound that you hear on it is my buddy Chris clearing his throat, just a little, <clears throat> mm. and then the song plays. The song is instrumental, and I that irony was completely lost on me <laughs> That's until so like some guy. <laughs> Uh, was listening to it kind of in my presence one time and he goes he goes that's brilliant that you did that I was like what do you mean he goes well it's brilliant that it opens with someone clearing his throat but then there's no words in the song I was like oh yeah brilliance is, is what it is <laughs> that's so funny I know when I initially asked you sent you that email asking where I could get the song or when you were going to release it you know your initial plan was to release it on uh, on a solo project but then, as you recently told me, uh, the rest of the guys from your band, The Collection, kind of got so involved in the production on that that it kind of took the form of a uh, of a collection record. That's Is that something that just kind of... How do, how do you normally treat that in terms of, of separating what you release as a solo project versus what you release as a, as a collection record? Yeah, well, I'll, you know, a lot of this whole record was kind of figuring that out um so you know we hit a place in the band where several people i a few people left and i knew a few people were going to leave and you know it was all on good terms we really loved them and and respected them for that um but at the time i think i just i kind of hit a wall like putting out listen to the river while going through a divorce was really tough and um oh yeah i think I would just kind of felt like, man, I, you know, all my band members are going to leave. Like, why do I keep pursuing this, all this kind of stuff. And so, um, I think I started like writing this solo record as kind of a, a way to like, hold on a little bit. Cause I thought like, Oh, maybe the collection won't exist anymore and I want to keep playing and touring. So I'm going to put out the solo record and I think I, I started to realize like, man, I, I really don't want to, pursue um two different names like just trying to promote david wimbish and trying to promote the collection and then you know figuring like okay we're on a collection tour can i play these songs can i convince the band to play these songs you know all this kind of stuff it just felt like really jumble in my head so yeah we had a band meeting with these guys and and decided to try to find some new members and really pursue it and also to kind of like combine the two things to like kind of get to do where I, I can still do some solo touring and some solo writing and, and whatever, but like to still be able to like really pursue the band and, and not feel so divided. So, um, so then the guys came in, I'd basically, I basically had the record finished. I had it almost finished recording. Um, but I had the guys come in, which worked out great. Cause there were some things like this song is, I think is a great example actually where, um, the horn melody that happens right after the first chorus. I had that melody stuck in my head for that instrumental section. I had it stuck in my head for so long. Like I have to have this melody, but I'm just, I'm not that great of a horn player. So I tried it on trumpet and I couldn't really nail it. And uh, my other horn had broken. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do this on strings. So I did it on strings and then it sounded cheesy. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do this on electric guitar. And then it sounded cheesy. You play strings? You play violin? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I played all the strings on the record. What? Um, what? Not on that song. Dude. And I played all the strings on um, Listen to the River as well. Um, really? 
Yeah, I'm not the best, but I can do studio stuff. Studio stuff. Okay. Yeah, no, that's so. that's like, I think I'm a better songwriter than I am musician. Whatever that says about <laughs> myself. But when I'm in the studio, I play what I know I can. Like I want to play all the instrument parts if I feel like I can get it to sound the way I want it to sound. If yeah. I can't, then I pay somebody else to do it. Totally. Um, do you but, play some other stuff too? Uh, yeah. So on my records, I'll do like. Uh, mandolin and banjo uh, and i'll do like a little bit of hand percussion um i'll do keys if i want something real intricate or super dramatic then i'll i'll have somebody else do it but um for stuff that i write to be piano driven yeah i'll play i'll play that as well cool cool nothing nothing too complicated yeah uh, not i i can't do violin uh i i honestly when i hold a violin i feel like my brain completely shuts off <laughs> dude it's so it's so difficult i mean i when i was when i was in um god how old was i like 15 maybe i i played probably at least i could do i could do scales on probably 10 different instruments but like the violin was the thing i couldn't and it's one of the only instruments i've like paid to take lessons for and i still i only you know i only took it for a little bit but it was just so hard and i couldn't wrap my mind around it so i started on cello and I played, I kind of like taught myself cello for a while and then moved oh, to violin and, and that made it a little easier. And then I took some lessons. So, yeah. but it's difficult. Yeah. The buddy of mine from college who played violin uh, for me, he, uh, he told me that when he, when he was first uh, signed up to take lessons, his violin instructor said, are, he said, are you sure you want to do this? He said, yeah. He said, you're sure. He said, yeah. Said, okay. <laughs> Well, just so you know, it's going to take you two years to get bad. <laughs> yeah, that's such a good description. I mean, you, you think about like, at least for me, like the daunting thing was like any of these people that I knew that could shred when they were like 30, they started when they were five. Yeah. <laughs> like anybody yeah. that's good at violin starts when they're like four or five. So <laughs> right. I, I kind of was like, okay, I know I can't get amazing, but you know, I wanted to be able to record um, cause the very early collection records were like that. Like just, I played a ton of instruments in my basement and most of them were pretty bad, but so that was kind of the inspiration behind this, honestly, like the solo thing, because I think at the time I was like, gosh, I've got to do a record by myself and I have to play everything just to like kind of prove to myself that I still can. Cause that's what I did, you know, <laughs> seven, eight years ago. And so that sure. kind of was, you know, this whole record I, I played initially, I played drums and bass and horns and strings and all that kind of stuff. Um, so after we had this conversation with the band um, that we were really going to pursue it, I had them kind of like take it and write their own parts, which at that point, the band was only three people other than me. Um, So this, this song uh, just picking up from that from earlier, like, yeah. So I tried it on, I tried that melody on strings and I tried it on electric guitar. I tried it on all this stuff and it sounded super cheesy. And so, before we had had this band conversation, I just was like, cool, I guess that melody isn't supposed to be on the record and I'll, you know, not have it. But then after we had this conversation, Graham was able to come in and, and record that horn and record all those horns. And it was like, oh God, this is perfect. This is exactly what I wanted for yeah, this. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, it gives it a good trumpet. Just, man, it, whatever song it is, it just, it lifts it. It lifts it up. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And Graham's just, he's so, he's so awesome where I can come in and just be like, Hey, I'm thinking this thing. And then, you know, let's add three more trumpet parts and four more trombone parts. And like, (laughs) 
he doesn't get overwhelmed. Like he's just like, cool, I got it. And he does it in a couple of takes and then we have the, this section. So he's awesome. And, and I'd always wanted some kind of like organ sound on it, but it didn't, didn't know what. So then like getting Josh in there to do the harmonium, I think really helped fill out the verses. And then, you know, Hayden's just a beast at bass. So, th- you know, this song is like pretty simple, but across the record, he came and recorded bass and like some of the bass parts are just so beyond what I would have ever thought of. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how the instrumentals of this came about. So a lot of it was a solo thing, but this song actually nicely features the kind of like band, the small band that the collection was at that point, um, a lot better than some of the other songs on the record. Where does beautiful life fall on the track list? Uh, it's the first song. It is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I is wanted... it also the, is it also the last song? <laughs> no. <laughs> um i just i i wanted people to hear because the record i think is dealing with a lot of heavy topics and processing i just really want people to hear the record through the lens of this song um i think it kind of like lifts the whole record you do not have to be good Even the best of us have been misunderstood So get up on your feet The sun is shining repentance through the leaves Its rays will wash you clean I'm walking slowly I'm taking my time All I like talking is starting to rhyme I'm letting go lonely Letting go of strife I just can't get enough of this beautiful life I just can't get enough of this beautiful life Sometimes felt alone. This whole world is your home. So reach out your branches, lay your roots back to the soil, and watch the rain help. Seasons 
slowly I'm taking my time All I like of talking is starting to rhyme I'm letting go alone letting go strive I just can't get enough of this beautiful life I just can't get enough of this beautiful life Oh, give me all you can of this beautiful life As I mentioned in the introduction, Beautiful Life is out. The collection officially released it as the first single from their upcoming album, Entropy, on March 30th, so go get it. If you enjoyed my conversation with David and you'd like to check out more of his music, his solo stuff and the collection records are available on iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, Bandcamp. I put some links in the show notes on songandstorypodcast.com. And you can go straight to their website, thecollectionband.com, to learn more about the band and purchase physical copies, CDs, and vinyl records. Finally, if you enjoy this podcast, please consider supporting it on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash song and story. It takes a lot of work, and every little bit helps keep it going. I'll be posting a shorter bonus episode for patrons only, featuring more of my conversation with David. If that interests you, check out the Patreon page. You can follow me, Kevin Heider, as well as Song and Story Podcast on social media. You can find all those links, you can learn more, listen, and subscribe today, at songandstorypodcast.com. Thank you for listening. Because you still are, here's a little bonus clip. Enjoy. For your consideration, I just, I want to maybe end it with a straight-up acoustic guitar version of the song. If, it, <laughs> if the record began and ended with it, just like every day should, seed planted. <laughs> cool. Maybe it'll be a secret track. There, so there is an acoustic version. This This song... It's funny. So my partner Morgan co-produced this record with me, which was awesome because she and I have like pretty different. We we come into music in different ways. So I like I can get really into these loops of like listen to this cool crazy instrumentation and like you yeah. know she can hear the same song and be like, oh I don't hear that and the song's boring. <laughs> like because she she has she has a lot better ear for like for melody and like um, somewhat of like even just accessibility and whatnot. And so I recorded it. She was, she was really dead set on a totally acoustic version. And um, we went up to um, this little cabin in Asheville, North Carolina, um, for a few days for me to try to record vocals on the record. And um, we spent most of it trying to record this acoustic version, this like live acoustic version. And I still have it. We'll, we, I'm sure we'll release it um, as like a B-side from the record or something like that. Um, or, or as the last track. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just let you, um, if you down, when, when you get a download of the record, I'll just let you piece this onto the end of it. <laughs> I'll send it to you so you can have the acoustic version. Um, yeah. She, yeah. So I, I have the acoustic version and then like three versions in between also <laughs> these two versions, but that might be a, a, uh, an interesting project. Even if you just, you know, release it digitally, starting with the most stripped one. Oh yeah. And then everyone that built up from there. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, that would be an interesting experiment. Yeah. Cause one, actually one or two of the versions might even have like the old, 
melody and chord structure and stuff like that. Like it, it definitely is a little piece of the process from, from doing that. I'm, I'm sure it'll happen. Um, it'll, it'll, it'll get out there at some point, but the track that I have closing the record, I, I'm, I think it's the perfect closer to a record. It's like the most excited I've been about a last song in a really long time. So, Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well then I'll, I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I'll wait patiently and I'll see, I'll consider what you have to offer. <laughs> it's a, it's a beautiful song, man. So thank you for writing it. Well, well thank you so much.